0: Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Overs Partners. I'm your host, Tim Knight, and I'm Andrew Nackle. And tell show. We're talking about the story of the lawyer and the truck driver. Now, settle up because this is actually a really good one. This and is from
1: the Bible, isn't it? It's
0: <laughs> <laughs> Exodus 13 verses 12. Well, the book is almost as heavy as the Bible. It comes from uh, Property 101, which is an excellent
1: book by Matt Gilligan. When was the first time you read that book? Oh, a long, long time ago. But but I mean, he's kind of the messiah of property tax, so it makes sense. Definitely of property tax. So Property
0: 101 is a book by Matt Gilligan. It is a hefty read. It's probably about four or 500 pages. Yeah, I
1: use it to prop open my door sometimes.
0: And it is quite a good book, actually, if you want to learn about the real fundamentals of investment property. But very early on in the book, Matt shares the story of the lawyer and the truck driver. And I want to read it to you. And I want you to listen out for some of the key morals or principles from this. And Andrew, pay attention because I'm going to ask you questions about it. So, Harry was a truck driver who earned a good but modest income, and he did that by regularly working double shifts. Now, he understood that property goes up in value over time, but that if you have bank finance, you get capital growth on your money plus the bank's money. Good old Harry, he was probably listening to the Property Academy (coughs) podcast. Now, he knew the market's got its ups and downs, but he was a long-term thinker. He bought his first home in Otahuhu in Auckland for $125,000 $125,000 in 1994. Great deal. Those were the days back then. <laughs> they would have been average back then, Hundred and twenty-five dollars in 1994. And probably everyone was thinking it's expensive. Oh, no. Short time after, it was worth one hundred ninety-five dollars so he used that extra equity to purchase an additional property for one hundred sixty dollars which he thought was a bargain at the time. Now, the property's increased in value to $240,000, that led him buy four more properties over time. Because they rented out, that money in equaled the money that went out. They didn't cost him anything to own, and that was the day before really high interest <laughs> rates. Those were the good old days. But that was the case for Harry. By 2015, he ended up with six houses valued at $2.8 million, and he owed $700,000 to the bank despite never having paid off a cent, all on interest only, so he had equity gains, capital gains of $2.1 million. These changed Harry's life and let him retire well. Now, Harry's lawyer, Philip, was always impressed at his client's apparent wealth, despite his humble occupation and income. He was a truck driver. Philip had bought his own home back in 1994 as well, but for half a million dollars, 500k, which he'd been diligently paying off the mortgage during his career. Would have been a nice house if it was half a million bucks. Absolutely. Hey, big spender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in 1994. Now, Philip, the lawyer, he was taught by his parents to buy a house, pay it off, treat the debt repayment as a forced savings program. You would have heard some similar things, Andrew. I was
1: thinking exactly
0: that. But unfortunately, his parents never covered off the bit about, well, what are you going to live off when you're retired? Which means Philip would need to sell his home and buy a smaller one if he wanted to live off that capital in retirement. Now, Philip's debt was down to $100,000, and the house was now worth a stunning $1.7 million. Big, nice house. It would be worth even more today. He had a good income, about $400,000, but because his kids were at private schools, always drove new cars, and he liked to holiday overseas every year, he never really saved. Now, Philip earned five times as much as Harry the truck driver. He had a much higher education considered himself a smart man, but he noticed that he had many Harrys in his client base who seemed to end up richer than him, despite the fact that they had much more modest incomes. Now, the Harrys of the world also seemed to develop passive income streams, which meant they could stop work younger than Philip and enjoy retirement early. Now, that is the story of the lawyer and the truck driver, and there are so many good morals in here, which We still see today, some eight years later here at Opus Partners with all of the investors we work with. But Andrew, what is your main takeaway or what do you see as the main moral of the story of the lawyer and the truck driver?
1: I think the biggest thing that stands out is that building wealth isn't about how much you earn because there's plenty of people that earn lots and lots of money and they don't necessarily get as wealthy as the people that maybe are more considered with how they spend their money because it comes down to how you're actually going to use your money. And in this case, you've got a lawyer earning, what are well, they earning? 400 grand a year or 500 grand? 400 grand a year in this case. And so, you know, you've got them earning 400 grand a year, but they spend it all. And then the truck driver that, you know, earns 100 grand a year, but invest, you know, 10% of that. And he's the one that gets ahead financially because he's actually doing something to plan for the future. And the other part to that is, it's not just about saving because you can't save yourself rich. It's about how you use that money that you're putting aside to invest. And sometimes, some of those traditional thoughts around debt, i.e. debt's bad, we need to pay it back. Those kind of old way of thinkings can get stuck in our head and prevent us from actually getting ahead and you know, taking a risk, taking on some debt.
0: That point you make is very important. Sometimes you do see people who appear to be rich, right? And you see the material things that they have, whether it be a really nice car or really nice suits... Or really nice haircuts, something along those lines. I think you're talking about me. I've, no, <laughs> I said nice haircuts, mate. <laughs> and you think, wow, they must just be so rich. They might be high income, but they're not necessarily rich. If you earn three hundred grand a year and you spend three hundred grand a year, you are not getting ahead at all. If you earn eighty grand a year and save five thousand dollars a year, you are getting ahead more quickly than that person who's on a higher income and spending it all. Now, let's compare the two mindsets between the truck driver and the lawyer, Andrew, and I'll start us off. So the truck driver was earning that lower income, but he was willing to increase it by taking on these extra shifts, right? So you're saying, hey, look, I want to get some more income, so I'm going to put in some extra hours. Now, I want to be fair to the lawyer because actually he was very career focused in this example as well. He also increased his income over time by progressing throughout his career. You don't start on 400 grand a year. God, you're probably a partner at a law firm by that stage. So he also would have been hardworking, but the big difference is in what they do next. So I don't want you to think, oh, well, the difference was the truck driver was hardworking and the lawyer wasn't. No, they're both hardworking. It's about what they do with the income they get through that work. What's the next big difference? Difference in the mindsets, Andrew.
1: I think that the truck driver he was willing to just buy a modest house from the start, so so not tie up a huge amount of capital in his owner occupied property, hundred and twenty five thousand. You take the lawyer on the other hand, they wanted the more lavish house, and you know they earn a big income, so they probably thought they deserved that. And you know if that's what makes you happy, that's fine. But it is going to hold you back from getting ahead financially because then you've got a whole lot of extra debt, personal debt that you're going to pay down. And the property was 500000 so four times more expensive than the truck drivers, and I'm sure the truck driver was just as happy when he got home at night. And the big difference there
0: is, if you've got a large personal mortgage, that can take up a lot of your income, not just in terms of paying off the mortgage, but also in the bank size when they're questioning, well, can you afford to borrow even more money to go invest in property? The other big difference is in how they view debt. So the truck driver was willing to go into the bank and say, give me more money. Let me borrow more money so I can go and purchase more investments. You see, the lawyer had a more conservative mindset here and said, no, I need to pay off my mortgage. That's what I've always been told. I've taken out a lot of debt. I need to get rid of it before retirement. So that's going to be my main focus. Whereas the truck driver saying, actually, I'm going to take out the right type of debt so I can go and buy some investment assets.
1: Now, the truck driver was also able to take out more debt because he had more modest expenses. And you turn that to the other side of the lawyer. He had a high income, so thought, well, I can spend more. Had overseas holidays every year, kids at private school, new cars. All of that affected his ability to borrow money, and that limited what he was able to invest with. Yeah,
0: 400k sounds like a lot of income, but then by the time you pay your taxes... You down losing. to fifty. yeah, and then if you've got say three kids at private school, and I you're know some to, people, you're
1: down to one fifty. You know, overseas holiday might be two say, so now you're down to one twenty.
0: I think people easily forget how expensive private schools are. You know, easily twenty five grand, and then you lump on all of the school trips and the fact they all need this computer for that and this iPad for that. It's and funny then...
1: you mention that because a few of my investors that I've been working with at the moment, you know, they've been saying, "Hey, I want to plan for that in the future." And the amount of cash that that takes when we put it into a plan is so significant that it really limits what you can do for yourself later on. That doesn't mean that nobody should send their kids to private school, but I think you
0: really want to weigh up what that means. You know, if there's a perfectly good public school down the road that's going to cost you a
1: thousand two, bucks a year,
0: yeah, two grand a year by the time you pay for the uniforms, or three grand a year by the time you pay for the uniforms and and the equipment, uh, and your school trips and your donation to your school, it could be a better financial decision. And if we think about the truck driver, you know, he bought his own home and six investment properties and so wanted to have assets outside his home. This is something we bang on about the show so often. You can't eat your house, so you need assets outside of your home that you can easily liquidate. Whereas the lawyer thought, oh, my home, that's my savings plan. So I'm just going to buy my home, nothing else. I'm going to pay down the debt because that's going to be my nest egg. But the only way to access that nest egg is to sell it or get a very expensive reverse mortgage against it when you're 75 years old and struggling. And there's one last big difference in the mindsets, Andrew, that we bang on on the show about a lot.
1: Yeah, the truck driver was willing to sacrifice today so he could have a better tomorrow, whereas the lawyer wanted to live life today, but then ultimately his sacrifice will come later on.
0: And that's probably going to come from working longer. That actually may not be a conscious mindset decision, but that's the unintended consequence of the actions he's taking. Uh, I think around this time of year, it's important to ask yourself, well, think about your own actions and what you're doing, and what does that say about your mindset? Now, some of you are going to be totally happy, yeah, hell yeah, I'm investing, I've got lots of investment properties, I'm keen to grow my portfolio in 2024. That says that I'm really investment-focused. That's cool. And some people might think, actually, maybe my actions are saying that I need to improve my mindset a little bit more when it comes to investing. And the other thing I like about this story is it reminds us that, you know, us office workers, Andrew, we can easily get complacent. You know, if you're in a professional job earning pretty good money, it's easy to just think about our careers. You know, I'm going to work hard in my job. I'm going to increase my income, and so in five years, I'm going to be okay, or in 10 years, I'm going to be okay, or someday I'm going to be okay. But professionals need to make time to invest, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a doctor. I mean, doctors working 12 hour shifts at the hospitals like six or seven days a week. You're working hard at your job, you're earning a good income, but you still need to think about investing. Outside of your career, and how you're going to make money outside of your career, because we can just get stuck in that day to day and never get around to it.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting to me the number of people that say I'm too busy to think about this now. Well, you're probably busy with your job, and unless you do something, you're always going to be busy with your job. And Andrew, what are you seeing at the moment? I always say to my property partners, and, and just based on the experience that I've had with investors, often it's a bit of a curse having a really high income because high income people can put in their head that they've got money and they've got time to think about this. But time is your friend when it comes to property investment or any kind of investing, because the longer you invest, the more fruitful the outcome. And I think it's really important, no matter what your income, to start thinking about it early so that you've got as long as possible to grow your wealth. It's really interesting that, you know, for me, Some of the more successful investors are the ones that are on normal incomes, but they know that they've got no option other than to take action now, or they won't have a decent lifestyle later on. Whereas the people that have a really good income think, well, I can worry about this next year.
0: Well, if you've got a good income as well, your biggest asset is going to be your income itself and your ability to borrow against it. And I think some people just don't take advantage of this. And so my challenge to you guys is to ask yourself, well, are you in the truck driver mindset? Or are you in the lawyer mindset? Because in this example, not not beating up on some of the lawyers, by the way, there are a lot of lawyers who do invest. But the truck driver mindset in this story is definitely what you want to start to move towards. Because in this case, it was the truck driver who came out better off. And it's easy to look at this story and say, oh yeah, but back then you could buy a house for $125,000 or $160,000. And of course he made a lot of money because house prices went up so much. But are they really going to go up that much in the future? And if you're thinking like that, I think you're in the lawyer mindset, because if you look at what the data are saying, you know, ANZ thinks that house prices are going to be 8.5% higher than they are today in two years' time. The Reserve Bank thinks that house prices are going to be 16% higher than they are today in three years' time. And Westpac, they released their forecast out to the end of 2030, and they're picking that in seven years, house prices will be 40% higher than they are today. That's an average of about 5.6% a year or house prices doubling every 13 years. There's still money to be made in property. Don't let the fact that you didn't buy in 1994 stop you from buying in 2024. Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to invest in 2024 and you're wondering, okay, if I want to be like that truck driver, Can I actually afford an investment property? I've just put together a new calculator for you. If you go to opuspartners.co.nz slash 2024, that's 2024, then you can quickly run your numbers and in 60 seconds you'll get a ballpark about whether you can afford to invest this year or potentially not. Listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, tip Knight. And We're going to be back here tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.